Hey everyone, really enjoyed this episode. We had Giancarlo Buys Tokens, who in my opinion is one of the best, if not the best NFT YouTubers making YouTube native NFT content. We talked about if he thinks that the NFT market is at a bottom, at a top, if it's healthy, what projects he holds that he's bullish on like Azuki and others. It was a great conversation. Hope you all enjoyed it. As usual, this content is sponsored by FTX. You can sign up at the nifty.com slash FTX or on the mobile app with the code the nifty we'll actually be having amy from ftx on our show tomorrow morning on twitter giving away four thousand dollars worth of nfts that were curated by yours truly hope that we can catch you there hope you enjoy this show in this video we are talking about the current state of the nft market and whether this is the bottom or the top with special guest john carlo buys tokens fellow nft youtuber as usual nothing in this video is financial advice we are not financial advisors the nft space is incredibly risky so always do your own research and if you enjoy the content hit the like button smash the subscribe button john carlo how are you you're, you're always so good at those intros man it's awesome I appreciate it, man. Well, you're, uh, you're, you know, basically, in my opinion, uh, the best NFT YouTuber. And I think that the NFT market kind of credits you with the, the highest level of kind of a credibility among people that do well on YouTube with NFT videos. So I'm really excited. Starting to with the name with that starts with G. That yeah. starts with G. Yeah, very specific. <laughs> um, I, the like other it. Fun I appreciate it, man. Yeah, oh, of course. And the other thing is that Nick just absolutely loves you. And I know that Nick would trade you for me in a heartbeat as, as far as <laughs> a show co-host would go. Come so on. that's another feather in your cap. Come on. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I, maybe, I, maybe I steal P.O. though. Nobody wants oh, P.O. Oh, Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. You didn't see that coming, Nick. Wow. Okay, I got to be <laughs> on going, the defense I'm going to here. Brooklyn now. <laughs> We're going to start our own show. There we go. <laughs> So, you know, we're excited to have you on, man, because you, you make, for people that don't know, you make like these video essays. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you think of them differently, but when I, when I watch them, I kind of think of them as like a, a video essay and you present information in a really tight way and you have visuals on screen, data and analytics from things like Dune Analytics and other platforms, people's tweets that really reference the stuff that you're seeing in the market. So right now, I think a lot of people find it to be a really interesting time in the market with other markets like the stock market being volatile as hell. Crypto mm -hmm. basically trading sideways slash not really pumping. Um, and then this kind of K-shape with the NFT chart where the blue chips are going up and everything else is kind of going down. What do you make of where we're at right now? Yeah, uh, that that chart it'd be it'd be good to put that up because I think that's that's a pretty powerful image, uh, yeah. and I think really, you, you know, I'm thinking of the market almost post Moonbirds, uh, and we're seeing a lot of sort of unique features right now. So what did Moonbirds do? I mean, if you listen to people, I'd like to see the data if this is true, but they're saying that a lot of outside money came in, and it's probably true given given the volume of that. Now you have uh, the other deeds, also a ton of volume. Also, people saying a lot of outside money came in. Between the two of them, I think they did. They've done over a billion dollars in in volume at this point. And that's uh, in like a so, thirty day period. Yeah, which is pretty like, crazy. It's insane. And so, okay, so where are we at now? Uh, you know, it, it does look like there's all this outside money on the sidelines that want to get involved with NFTs, but it's it's an incredibly weird space, and you have to be like super involved to know where to put your money. And that's just not most people, right? Like we're in the bubble where it just seems like, you know, this is this is pretty easy for anybody, but it's just, it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly opaque. And so I think the outside money tends to just buy safer names. Like they want to get exposure. There's no like index yet. Uh, and so what are they going to buy? They're going to buy blue chips. Uh, and that we're seeing that right now. They're, they're going into Azuki. They're going into uh, Moonbird, into anything Yuga Labs related uh, because it's just, it's just easier for them. Uh, and so I think that that's a, that's a big deal. The other thing they, they really look for are, uh, like the team pages, right? Like they emphasize the founders of, uh, these projects more than maybe DGENs do like up until recently, you know, I would get flack for saying, you know, don't invest in fully anon, anon teams. And, and they would always have like some edge case exception to that. Uh, or, you know, they just kind of brush that off, but this outside money really does care about that. Like they're not, they're not part of this, this crypto DGEN world where they're, where they're just going to take a chance on some unknown developer. Uh, and so I think we're seeing the team pages become more important at the same time. So that's the buy side. Then on the sell side, I think we're seeing uh, just the, the caliber of creator go up. Uh, and so 
you know, Moonbirds is sort of the, the first example of this, but there's always a delay from what we're seeing in the market. And then that inspires other creators to make their project, but it takes maybe three to six months. And so we're now, I think, starting to see projects that were inspired by Azuki, the rise of Azuki. You know, people are starting to, to look at Moonbirds and, and starting to work on their projects. So when I look at the second half of the year, I just see the standards going way higher. Uh, and that caters to what uh, the, the outside money wants. Is We're going to be seeing like bigger names come in from the VC side. We're going to be seeing like uh, all these creative companies like Activision or, uh, you know, Nintendo or whatever. They're going to start seeing like their talent peel off because I think there's a lot of money for them to make. Uh, and, and so it's just kind of, it's a perfect combination of those two. And so that's, that's really great if, if you're in one of those projects. But what the downside of this is that if you're in a mid-tier uh, or even, even some underdog with a, a, a creator that's not that well-known, that's not that polished, Maybe they don't have that that that, that much uh, resources. I think you're going to sort of suffer in this new in this new trend. And so for me personally, I have been selling a lot of the sort of mid tiers that I had, uh, just because I think you know amateur hour. I don't want to call them amateurs. That, that that's kind of that's kind of mean. But uh, you know the pros are coming in. Uh, I've been saying that both on the buy side and, and the sell side. Uh, and I think they just it's hard for them to keep their place in, in this new meta, as, as we'll see. Nick will call those ca those projects amateur hour for you. He'll actually name the projects by name. <laughs> but but I got a kick out of what you said on the Anon front because it's like, yeah, good luck telling a VC guy or a Silicon Valley guy that just bought Moonbirds, yo, you should totally buy into this project with a fully Anon team. Right. Here's the website. They'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Nick, what were you going to say? I, it, it clicked with me moments ago was that like uh, in terms of where we're at right now, I agree with what uh, Giancarlo is saying as it applies to the bar being raised. But regardless of the quality of the projects and who's attracting um, the influx of capital right now, you still have, uh, is the market going to continue ponying up money at a significant level? And the last time that uh, when Mutant Apes dropped, uh, that was the, that was the top, like that, that mm -hmm. was a temporary top. So we saw like September, October, November, when we were doing our show on a daily basis, it was just going down towards, uh, through October into November. And, uh, there was a little spike in December, January, it came all, you know, came all the way Big back. Pump. And, uh, we saw a similar thing last year. You know, we have this other side lands, uh, drop that just occurred we saw the summer of collectibles, but we saw the nifty gateway implosion like April, May. And so it feels like we're in a sim similar thing. I wonder if we're going to see uh, the same sort of cyclical stuff though. And the problem is, is like, we're still riding that collectibles boom uh, with, and this being a continuation of that. So I'm sort of wondering like, can this, um, yeah, can this really sustain? And even if, even as the quality people come in, I think it's going to be difficult for them to attract the same level of uh, of funding uh, solely because there's a lot of, I don't know, I think people that were just um, optimistically throwing money around based on like, and now we have more uh, people, I guess there's a lot more cash in this from uh, apes and uh, other people that, uh, you know, have had a bunch of air, consecutive airdrops. Um, so that's positive, but yeah, with the bar being raised, I also feel like maybe it's not only the bar being raised, but, uh, it's a narrower band of projects that are actually getting most of the capital. Yeah. I mean, that's the value accrues to the top, right? And so this new money is only going to buy stuff that they think is legit. And I really do feel like Moonbirds was sort of the it was the first time that VC guys and Silicon Valley guys thought that it was just fully okay. Like, you know, broadly speaking, just fully okay to ape and NFTs. And then they, they were like, Moonbirds, Moonbirds, Moonbirds. But yeah, I mean, look, it's a weird place to be right now. And I definitely wouldn't want to be a project that's solely based on like, quote unquote, good art. If it is like a 10K collectibles or even like a 5K, basically anything besides like a one of one or a super limited run, like 100 or less art collection it's going to be really tough to have that thing sustain value or people are going to have to really work really hard um and and have that be visible 
Like the benefit right. that all three of us have is the fact that we make content. So no matter what, like you can't say that we're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Like we're doing something. You could say it sucks, but we're doing something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, like people do see that we're actually trying. Um, you know, John Carlo, you mentioned off air that you have some Azukis. What do you think about the state of affairs there? I mean, those things are back up above 30, right? So that's comfortably in blue chip territory at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... To, to take a step back, uh, you know, I, I don't want to dissuade projects, that, you know, creators that are coming out, you know, still with that underdog story, still with, with, you know, without that brand name behind them, because I do think there's, there's obviously still room for, for those in this space. Like, you know, Azuki, they have, they do have some, some brand name, but they're not like super established veterans that, that everybody, it's a household name. Uh, so if you do things right, you know, and, and you understand marketing and all that, you, you can still do very well. Uh, and there's also room for all these NFTs that don't have to like 100x, right? Maybe they provide some fun utility, fun community, uh, and they can just do well if people come in with the expectations that this is not like some some life-changing uh, investment. It's just, I want to be part of this game or whatever. Uh, so I think that that's fine. I'm, I, for the rest of the market, you know, the, the people like like us who are probably looking at, at things that, at, at, from a more uh, of a blue chip investment perspective, um, what we're really looking for is like, I call it like attention generating machines because we, we've learned that attention gets rewarded uh, you know, in, in a variety of ways. And you're just looking for projects that understand how to, how to draw attention you know, over a long period of time, right? Because there's so much noise and, and we have ADD in this space. And so can, can they keep doing it? Uh, and I think Azuki, for example, they, in my opinion, they understand that. They have sort of that uh, magic for grabbing attention, whether that's marketing, a lot of the polish around what they do, being able to hype people. Uh, because if you think about it, up until now, they haven't really executed on, on anything, right? Like we're seeing now the first the first drop, they had like a, like a party, but it's really just trailers and, and, and teasers and, uh, you know, just, just hyping people up on social media. And so like, can they keep doing that? I think they could keep doing that, right? And, and now we're seeing sort of a playbook by Yuga Labs that, that they can also run, right? They're going to have their, their first drop. Uh, you know, they, they can run up the air, the airdrop meta for a good period of time. And people complain that that's like diluting, you know, the base. But I feel like you have to do that a bit to, to broaden your, your group. And then you get to the level where now, you know, people are calling you from Netflix. People are calling you from, from VC firms, from, uh, you know, Animoca brands or, or Activision or whatever. And now you're in the big leagues because you, you sort of did what you had to do to get to that, you know, 90% of, of, of the way there. And now, and now you're in the territory where you can strike those big deals. Uh, and so, yeah, I think Azuki is, you know, like I said, they understand the, the hype, they understand how to generate attention. And that, that's what I like about them. Uh, they haven't executed yet. So I can't say like, you know, that they're at Yuga, Yuga Labs level of, uh, of execution. But, you know, with this, with this first drop, obviously people were a little uh, disappointed that they were actually just beans and not, that wasn't like a, I don't know, a red herring. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there have been comments by, by the team that this is, you know, cooler than people might, might think at least like a couple months ago. Uh, and so I still have faith that they know what they're doing. You know, they've been in the space for, for a while. They, they've been deliberate in, in what they've done so far. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think they, they worked on Azuki for like six months or so before they even, even launched. Uh, so, and they've watched all the, all the greats before them, right? They've watched Yuga Labs and, and, and all this. So. I think they know what they're doing. Uh, I'm still holding. I haven't sold anything. Full disclosure, but yeah, they're they're up. They're up there. They're up top five for sure. The tweets around the beans were so funny because it was like you know they said that they were beans and the NFT market was like I mean who, who knows what they're gonna be and then they came out again it's like they're beans and it was just like I mean yo you really never know it could be anything and, yeah, yeah. and Azuki's like beans and it's just like yeah. the NFT market is like who knows it sounds what it is? like, like it sounds like they're building a metaverse to me right, right. Dude, that's what it sounds that was like. me I'm not gonna lie that was also me I was like nah. <laughs> Dude, like, someone wrote the funniest tweet on that. I, I, I'm going to try to pull it up while we're talking because it's like perfectly written. It's like, could be anything. It's like, dude, they said it was beans 15 right. fucking times and the market refused to accept it. Well, then they dropped the beans and you're disappointed. That's the case with literally every <laughs> NFT project and collectibles people. Like Mebits was the starting point of that for me. Was essentially seeing people create a narrative about what this project is going to be. And then I remember meeting the uh, Larva Labs, uh, one of the founders there at an event and being like, hey, so like you haven't provided any comment on this, but a lot of people are saying that you're building a metaverse. Like what, what's the plan? You just told this woman right in front of me who was just asking you questions that it's literally just you two still 
working there. Is that really the case? And he was like, I can't comment on future plans, but look at our past projects if you want to see the type of stuff that we're going to be delivering. And yeah, it's just the two of us. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Like that, yeah. I'm like, you can't build a metaverse with two people. So, uh, I mean, I guess you can use, you can bastardize the word if you want, but uh, yeah, it, it was, it's interesting to see how the market ends up doing that, but that's hilarious. So uh, how many beans do you have? I have uh, six. Nice. You have three Azukis? Yeah. Damn, John Carlo. What is yeah, what inspired you to buy those? Like, how did you recognize that that was a thing to buy, and and where did you buy? I I minted four, and I sold one, oh, uh, like at four ETH or something, and then I was like, nah, I'm I'm holding the rest. Uh, no, I I, I don't know. Um, uh, at the time, you know, the the things now that that sound kind of stupid, but like the website was nice, right? It, you know, with with the current with with the comparables of of what you're putting it up against, like things like that matter to me. Uh, obviously the, the team page, I had to listen to a lot of the spaces with Zagabond. It, it was clear that he understood web three, uh, you know, they, they, and they, the teasers and everything, like nobody was putting out teasers at their level. And you kind of get that a lot of this is you fake it till you make it a bit. Uh, I think that's true of, of Yuga labs too. Uh, but you, you can't make it basically like it does work is what we're seeing. So you can like do teasers long enough until you strike those deals. And, and, you know, I just felt that Azuki could, could follow that, that same path. Yeah. And so you're holding that right now in these market conditions. A lot of people feel uneasy right now in the market, right? Um, however, like we talked about, the blue chips are are still blue, it seems like. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, although Mutant Ape Yacht Club, for example, has corrected quite a bit. And because, Bored Apes. And, okay, Bored Apes too. Probably yeah. because people feel as though perhaps a lot of the value has been extracted at this point between the uh, you know it, Ape token and... And yeah, now other side, what were you going to say, Nick? It's just an ex-dividend date situation. This happens right. with all of them. That it, it, And then it eventually inevitably pumps. I mean, apes are still above 100 right now, which who knows if that if that sticks there. But we've, we've seen this play out over and over and over. And basically, it also leads me to believe that a lot of the price in other side or yeah, in other side land right now, it basically incorporates the expectation of upcoming drops associated, especially with the CODAs, because the CODA land prices, uh, especially on the mutant land, is still around 33, which is what I had sold one at. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the lowest CODA is at 23. But that's a significant, so that's essentially pricing the CODAs at 15 ETH. Uh, if you take like an approximate premium, 15 to 18 ETH is the, um, uh, yeah, uh, the premium over whatever the land is. So, and then the question is, is, okay, is a coda worth, uh, like, is a coda worth 15 ETH? Is that like the proper pricing for a coda? And right. I'd say maybe it's, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't seem like. I'd love to see the back, back of the envelope on, on a coda to, to get to whatever <laughs> price we, we, we come up with. <laughs> well, yeah, I, my financial analysis yeah. that I'm providing here is really based on uh, discounted cash flow model right, is right. What, I'm, what I'm utilizing. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think the way, the way people, people are framing it to me, they're like, do, do you, should I have a coda or an Azuki or a, a doodle or uh, a mutant ape? That's really what, what it comes down to, right? It's just like the, the comparison between other, other uh, blue chips, if you want to call them. I think the coda, you know, I, I'm I'm a little bitter because I didn't get I didn't get one on my land, uh, so you know some of that is is built into what I'm about to say. But uh, <laughs> I think you know th this is one of the hardest things that any collection is has attempted to do in the space until now, right? This this game that they're doing, uh, and so you know everything that Yuga Labs has done up, up until now has been really good uh, understanding, of, like like we've been talking about about marketing. Uh, and knowing how, you know, the airdrop meta and, and sort of being on the forefront of those things. And, and they're very innovative and, and, and forward thinking, but this is a whole nother tier and, and, and yeah, they're partnering with, with Animoca brands, but what, what game have they done that is like really big and, and mainstream at this point? I mean, they're, they're, they're still sort of learning, learning the ropes too a bit. And so I don't know, betting on Coda is basically betting on the utility of this thing working out, right? This, this game going mainstream. Whereas I think with some, some of the other blue chips, there's like more low hanging fruit. Right, so you have like Doodles, uh, you have you have Azuki, you have some of these other collections that still haven't done all the things that we know they can do to to, to drive hype. Uh, whereas with, with Coda, you're you're now you're now making a bet on like ten tiers up, right? The next thing, and that's what everyone's talking about. My thing with this 
and I'm a Coda holder, but you know, just talking about other side and talking about what they're trying to build. My thing is, if everybody's saying the same thing, and and everybody's saying that, like I, I just want to mm -hmm. be clear, and I understand why you're saying it, and I understand why that's the narrative is because there hasn't been a successful play to earn game, there hasn't been a successful blockchain game. I mean, there there's been like Axie Infinity, but that like went up in flames, right? So there's a lot that needs to be developed on that front. But when everyone's saying one narrative. Isn't it usually wrong? And this was actually what I was going to bring up too about the market is that I feel like a lot of people feel like this is the top. I've heard that it's the top. I've heard that we're going to go bear. Every time I feel like the general sentiment of the market is like that, we go on a run. So I'm not saying that that's what I believe, but I just want to kind of throw that out there as something that right. I'm keeping in the back of my mind is that no one can predict these things. And oftentimes when everyone shares the same sent sentiment, it goes 180 degrees in the opposite direction. I think that's what we saw in December when everybody was selling, people have chalked that up to tax loss harvesting. And then we come out in January with an insane run. That was like completely out of control. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, people were, uh, had their money on the sidelines and the same thing happened with other deeds. There could be, and we have seen a corresponding pump as the vacuum came in, sucking liquidity out of the other projects. Mm -hmm. And now there's liquidity back in some of those projects. We're seeing a doodle pump with an expected drop or something. Uh, but it, it seems almost debatable when that's happening. Uh, it, it's it's a, a lot of speculation. I actually uh, want to pause for one sec because I'm curious from your experience, uh, Giancarlo, like what brought you into this space? I know this isn't like an interview. We're discussing the market, but I am curious just for the context since we haven't had you uh, on our show before. You know, right. how, did, how did you end up in this space? And I'm also curious. I mean, I want, I'd love to learn more about your um, process because you present some of the most sort of thought out uh, pieces um, as it applies to sort of overall market conditions and strategy on your channel. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm wondering like also what that, what, where that came from. Thanks. Um, yeah, I started off as, you know, right out of college, I was a stock analyst it's focusing on gaming and digital media. Uh, and so like right from the get-go, you know, when I came in, the gaming space was transitioning from, you know, the traditional buy a game and GameStop for 60 bucks. And that's sort of the end of the relationship to, you know, here's all these like cosmetic skins and subscription service and all these digital things that you can buy. Uh, and so that that's really how, how I started. After that, I, I went over to the startup called Superdata Research that also, you know, they were the leading research firm for like these digital assets that people were buying in like Fortnite and World of Warcraft. And, and I was helping them sell that back to to like hedge funds. And so like my job for a few years was, like helping boomer hedge fund managers like understand what V bucks were and, and, and you know, like why people were, were obsessed and why, why these companies were going up in value way beyond just like the initial sale. Uh, and so that, that's really what I've been primed for. What was this like, you know, obsession over gaming and digital assets. And when I came into NFTs, like that all clicked pretty, qu pretty quickly for me. Uh, and so I was like, you know, there's, there's no jobs yet. There, there are no companies. So let me start a channel. You just start putting content out there, start meeting people. And my approach, you know, is sort of, trained by by the, the the stock market angle but i i quickly you know realized that, that that doesn't most of that doesn't apply here right uh so the framework for me is probably closer to like angel investing which i haven't done much of but uh I, you know i know some people who do and i sort of uh read about it a lot and, and there are a, a bunch of similarities here where you know it, it is a power law uh so everything sort of as you said flows to the top uh 80 of the bet you're making it really is on on the team uh, because there aren't any real financial models you're making. Uh, and so, you know, I've been, I've been using that. The, the difference here is that obviously you, there's, it's more liquid. And so with angel investing, you, you know, you kind of lock up your money for, for a bit of time. So if the data changes, you can't really pull out, but you can with, with NFTs, which, you know, it, it's good in one way, but it's bad in, in, the, in the sense that you can also paper hand uh, some, some gains early. But yeah, that, that, that's been my, my approach. And, you know, I think five years from now, it, it's going to like, originally I was like, let me do this for gaming, but gaming up until now hasn't really kicked off at all. But I think five years from now that when we talk about NFTs, it's mostly going to be through the lens of, of gaming. Like, I think that's really the, the next huge wave, way bigger than, than what, we're, what we're doing now. Uh, and so, you know, you're talking about people being pessimistic right now. I, I see that a lot as well regarding the market. Uh, but I think, you know, they, they're looking at the macro a little too deeply. Uh, and seeing, you know, all, all these all this stuff about interest rates, about geopolitical tension, all, and then just applying that because they're seeing other markets applying that to to NFTs. But 
you're seeing that more in mature markets, right? Where the incremental like consumer dollar, if that shrinks, it's like a big deal. But NFTs are so small that, you know, you have those headwinds, but we're, we're literally starting from, from zero right now, like compared yeah. to where, where we're going. And so, uh, yes, there, there are some headwinds, but it's nothing compared to, I think, the, you know, the, the addressable market growing over the next few years. And so it's really hard to predict these micro cycles, but I really don't read too much into, into the macro stuff for this. It's, it's like a different market. I think it's spot on. It's unsurprising to hear that you're an analyst. Uh, that that's Nick it. loves that so much, Giancarlo. <laughs> I saw his face Pia, light up like he was like, like jealous right now. It's not that I'm jealous. It's not. Uh, if anything, I'm just annoyed that Giancarlo fits in it. Nick's exact thesis of who like you need to like you know partner with in the NFT and, market. And, it's like well, yeah. I was like, we need to hire an analyst. That, but <laughs> anyways. Uh, the the aspect that you're saying though makes a ton of sense, and we've seen this play out before when Facebook was booming back in, I'd say 2017, and then we had the financial collapse, or sorry, 2007. Completely mm -hmm. wrong uh, uh, dates. Um, in 2007, uh, and the, then the financial collapse happened. There was a lot of concern, but ultimately it was a protected ecosystem because a lot of venture capital had been pouring in, and so really everyone was just at work hard at work and the numbers were going up. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's still, um, that's still the case. Uh, but I think additionally you have the, um, the one thing that's differentiated here is like, that's like, you know, Facebook stock is a highly e-liquid private market thing at that moment in time. And so, uh, it, it's, it's not as volatile when we're in the NFT space. That's what we are. We do see a lot of that volatility, and right. I think I think shifts in liquidity do have an impact on that, but that's still a subset of the NFT market, not part of the macro picture. So if mm -hmm. you're investing in the ecosystem as a whole, well, it's just going to keep going up. Um, but yeah, I don't and know. everybody I, thinks everybody thinks like Friday compared to last Friday, like that, like that's how well the NFT yeah. market is doing. <laughs> you know, if you look at the year of a year, it's a joke, right? Like this is yes. it, it was a spec last year, <laughs> uh, and you know, some of these Wall Street Journal articles are like, I don't know if you've been seeing them. They're like, oh, everything's flatlining. Dude, they right said ninety eight per, or ninety two percent drop. I just tweeted at that guy because I yeah. was like, where is this data that you're coming up with this? Like, this is such bullshit. It, it's it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. So you know. I think, you know, an NFT Twitter is like sort of this anxious brain that is just always reacting to the, to the latest news and everybody sort of follows, you know, the negative and the positive news. But no, I, the NFT space to me looks pretty healthy. Uh, what we're seeing is just what you would expect. It, it, you know, people just thought that that their shitty bags were just going to keep pumping forever. And that, that's just it's not the case. Like as, as people get smarter, as the standards go go up, you know, I, I was looking at, at, I think it was the first uh, Board Ape Yacht Club tweet from last year i don't know have, have you guys ever looked at those early tweets it was like it was like a thread like like showing why you should you should buy board of club and one of the like the key pieces of utility that they highlighted was being able to draw on this community graffiti board on the website yeah <laughs> you know, like if you buy this you'll be able to draw on our website with like other other i like did not people. get that component i i went to it and i was like damn this is really time consuming <laughs> yeah so like if you compare that to what we're buying today it's like night and day like i, I think if board of club launched launch today they probably wouldn't wouldn't sell out, right? They'd, they'd be, they wouldn't have shown what we're seeing from some of the projects today. So I do think things are, you know, we, we do have all the scams, we do have everything, but to me, everything it still looks pretty healthy. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that everyone needs to keep in mind as they consume content, and when I say consume content, that includes Discord and Twitter, like in consuming written messages, both publicly and privately on Discord and Twitter. They need to keep in mind that the average NFT participant is like, it is not a Silicon Valley investor. Mm. It really, really is not. And when you see the split second reaction to like something that was that happened this morning in the NFT, space and basically something that's the most short-sighted comment of all time you'll see a lot of hopium and copium when things are going bad when things are going well it's like we're going to the like, moon like blah, our blah, show blah. <laughs> like every every morning when i'm talking about my volatile emotions from some stupid trend you're a little different though like you're a little bit different i'm talking about like the real like the the inexperienced market participants that are heavily over leveraged or aren't 
uh, putting themselves in the market at all and are actually just trying to like talk smack. This is like a sizable percentage of the people that are in this ecosystem. Yeah. So those those can't really influence the way that you maneuver in the market. And I mean, when you hear someone like John Carlo that actually is like using substance to make uh, to analyze what's going on in the market and determining it's like, yeah, it's, it's fairly healthy. I think that puts a lot of things in perspective and can kind of um, have these folks that either are over extended slash have no stomach for volatility at all, like no stomach at all, um, just kind of put more into their place compared to what's actually going on out there. I mean, just just throwing it out because a lot of people consume our content. A lot of people are on Twitter, Discord, and they read things and it influences them. And it's like, you got to kind of put things in perspective at some point. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and I think I think understanding, for example, going back to the, the angel investing framework, like understanding how many bets you need to make and still expect, no matter how much you read and, and understand the market, you're still going to see that most of your NFTs are, are going to fizzle out. Uh, and so understanding that you need to make many bets, you need to probably have a larger budget than most people realize. Like you yeah. can't come into the space being like, oh, I'm going to buy this one NFT and, and that's that's going to like that's probably going to fail. So uh, understanding that that you're spreading your bets. And uh, yeah, it, the other thing we need we need to talk about a little more is how long you should hold. This could be controversial, but how long you should hold before you sort of say, sure. like, OK, this, this was a bad this was a bad decision. Oh, sure. Because, yeah, because you know it, it's very it's a very sensitive topic because a lot of the creators are on Twitter with us, right? Which is kind of weird. Like we're all like talking to them, so it's like it's hard for everyone to be honest. Uh, and at the same time, you know, there's this like line of, of of thought that you know a lot of things that take time to build, you, you have to get, be patient, and so uh, you know don't just bail early. I don't know, I don't know about that because you know what we're seeing, like like I said with Azuki, like they haven't really built anything, so some some brands sort of just just hit it off. Uh, because they understand how to generate attention. N nothing that people are building utility-wise has really, uh, that I've seen in the market, has really you know, driven a lot of value, right? It really is just, a, just attention. So you learn pretty quickly if a brand can, can generate attention or not. Well, it's, it's actually hard to deliver the level of value meeting the expectations of the amount of money that's been poured into a lot of these things at this point in time. Right. I actually think like with other deeds, uh, they, they essentially need to, they're going to have to come up with like in-term sort of steps before they eventually get to a game. And, and I, I, and I like, cause they're not just going to build some 3d world that we're all suddenly going to start using in the next six months. I don't care if, uh, uh, whatever the name of the, the team, um, that, that funded it, uh, has a pre-existing game they don't have some experience building Fortnite. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden we're going to end up with that. And that's where uh, for them, it's those interim uh, deliverables. And most of those for most projects now have really just been more NFT drops. Uh, and so it, that's something that's actually easy to do on a relative basis, like in terms of like, t you know, technical expertise, it's not, it's not the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. um, but to actually build in real utility I, I mean, even if you went to the, we, we met you at the uh, Board API Club boat uh, event in uh, at NFT NYC, which was cool. But simultaneously, I'm like, okay, is that event worth uh, one hundred fifty thousand dollars? Like, <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. it, uh, there were really cool people that I met there, but I could have potentially bumped into you at some other like event at NFT NYC for four hundred dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one of the most difficult things is actually trying to deliver something at this point. Uh, and there's probably a severe fear of delivery at this point by most of these projects, because ultimately what they reveal is not going to match the expectations. Instead, people want more and more promises of the things that are going to be delivered. And Board API Club has been so, so great at pulling that off. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. They haven't delivered a game. Right, they haven't delivered a game. And I don't think they right. should. I, I think they should keep pitching <laughs> the push future or whatever. And the, like, first we get a card game based on all this different land, and like we can each get our own custom decks, and it's sort of like Magic the Gathering style uh, thing. Right. I could. That's to me seems like something that's tangible and and probable, and it's not. And uh, that was a, a game that was of collectible. So there's cards within that that are worth a lot. So I don't know. I could see them doing like interim things like that, that that get you there. But what you're moving towards is this promise of something just way down the road, which is way easier 
Uh, same with, you were talking about angel investing. When you go and invest in a startup right out the gate at a 10 or $20 million valuation, mm -hmm. you got it. Like you're taking a complete flyer at that point and hoping that that person even, okay, call it 5 million. Even at that point, your local, uh, a subway isn't worth that much. And it's so tough for them to get the same level of capital that was just delivered right. to some random person. So I feel, yeah, I think your comparison is probably uh, do, do, so pretty So do, do you think, do, do you think the general sentiment across apes, well, it's kind of hard to see their true opinion because they just got a huge airdrop for this, but do you think they, they agree that this game was a good idea? Like this was the, the, the route that they should have taken? I think this is the the least passionate that I've seen the Board Ape Yacht Club community surrounding mm -hmm. an event that I can remember. Nick, do you disagree with that? Well, I feel like everything else was more passionate. Everything else was passionate but, as hell. But that was a different moment in time. You got to understand, like, for the Board Apes going from, like, we'd go to the Discord and be like, oh, my God, we're at half an ETH. Oh, my God, we're at one ETH. And every mm -hmm. single number, each increment of that over a period of time, was a celebration and we were all part of that thing. And it felt like we were fighting against, essentially at that moment, frankly, crypto punks who were these like rich people. And it was like, well, why do they deserve to get to have that, that NFT at that price? Why isn't this one worth that much? And that was kind of like the thesis at that moment in time. And then everything that Board Ape Yacht Club did at that point as the price went up basically became us all saying, hey, these people are, they're executing really well. They're hosting these events. They're doing these things. They give us airdrops that make us money. This is the best thing ever. When the, when the Board Ape Kennel Club came out and people basically at that moment for the first time ever got airdropped thousands of dollars in comparison, um, which the only other thing was MeBits at that point in time for CryptoPunks, it was very clear that this team was executing and uh, they, they were really uh, focused on that. And then everyone just got really rich from holding those, those items, basically. So it's hard to retain a community at that point. Like that Discord no longer is a bunch of, like all those people have like kind of- They sell. A lot of people just, just sell, right? Like that, that's what's funny, right? You, everyone talks about, oh, Board of Yacht Club or whatever NFT has a great community, but the higher you go, the, like that just changes. And over time, it's just a complete- different group of people. I mean, there are still, still some holders, but like the person who's buying now after this, after this airdrop at 120 or whatever ETH, like what are they trying to get out of it? I don't think this is the type of person that's just trying to get like another, another air, a piece of land or another little airdrop. Like you get to a tier where, where I think these buyers are like, you know what, this is just going into the vault or, you know, I think one of the biggest value that uh, utilities that you can get out of any of these assets are if you're selling something too. So if, like, if you have a web three product that you're about to launch, I think having a board ape increases the chances. If you're if you're selling to like a Web three audience, it increases the chances that you that you sell out, and so you make a lot more money, not necessarily from the airdrop, but from you know the the, the cachet of having that. Uh, and so I, I think that's that's the next year buyer has has a, di a different set of motivations. Like we, we saw Justin Bieber buy one. Why why is he buying? I mean, he doesn't need any money. I think at that point, it's just a different different level. Yeah, and there's people like that that have entered. There's a social aspect of it, and then there's people. If you've just held your board eight basically from the beginning, you've been airdropped an order of magnitude uh, of right. of essential capital basically based on holding. So like my board ape right now is worth what two hundred fifty thousand based on the current prices or somewhere around that basically. But I've been airdropped a million dollars. So like. So like, that's essentially you what- You got lucky what, what, with a couple what, of the things. What, what, you got rare stuff, but, but yes. But okay, yeah, that's where I'm at. So like, I, <laughs> I literally have extracted out of that ecosystem a million dollars at this point in time. Do I go and sell the, the remaining, you know, uh, two mutants and that? It's a lot of capital, but simultaneously, you might as well just keep, at this point, the risk of me holding that is decreasing further and further. And so like, I have more- uh, to play with and I can withstand, uh, you know, my ape dropping to basically anything and just say, Hey, let it ride. And let's see, let's see what mm -hmm. happens. Um, and so, yeah, some people have exited. Uh, you see the inverse of people collecting more, but instead it's just fervent belief in this team. And frankly, if you're betting on anyone, you might as well bet on the number one, uh, the number one player in the space at this point. And that's what we're seeing with the chart that you had us um, right. pull up. That's essentially what people are saying. What do you view as sort of like 
Who's number two in this space to you? I mean, I, I'm going to say Azuki. No, I'm partially biased, but... Uh, besides Azuki, how about that? Besides Azuki, um, I mean, Doodles is obviously... I also I also have a Doodles, so I'm biased there. But Doodles, I think, is is a sharp team. Uh, you know, they've, they've... Every time I hear them speak, they, they understand what they're doing. They've, they've been around. Uh, we're now about to see... You know, they've experimented too, and they've innovated. I know a lot of people didn't really like that, that like, space doodle thing they did, but at least it, at least they were experimenting and not, and not just copying what, what other people were doing. So I like that. If they keep doing that, you know, they are going to do something that is unique and, and hits it off. Uh, there's just a greater chance of that happening. Uh, so, yep, I like Doodles. It's, it's, it's a very, like, mainstream-looking brand that, you know, has wide appeal to it. Uh, so that would be my pick. What about Kevin Rose or Gary Vaynerchuk as a creator hmm. and operator? That, that's a tough one. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Kevin Rose just because he he seems to understand the technical side of this a little bit better, uh, and it's just paying cl- paying close attention to. It. I know I know Gary V is like pretty deep into NFTs too. I don't know, man. Actually, I, I don't know. I might I might have to go with Gary. Actually, so I, I'm doing Gary's I'm doing a quick per- 180 on the on the spot right now. Wow, he's okay. pretty good. As, as Gary I thought about it, as I thought about it, look because. Because here's the thing, the ultimate angle for me, for a lot of these profile pick brands is to create like a mainstream brand, right? A mainstream brand that is like a household name. And if you held one of those early collectibles, you're just gonna, you're just gonna be benefiting in some way. Like we don't know all the details yet, but we sort of see where, where it's going. And when you hear Gary speak, it is like on a, on a bigger scale. Uh, and I think he has all the relationships to sort of pull that off. Whereas when I hear Kevin speaking, it's, it's more like, let's create, bring a lot of value to a, a small community. Uh, let's do like like more more staking and things like that. Uh, and so it, in the short term, I think it appeals to sort of the, the crypto native person a little bit better. But if we think about what the biggest NFT brands will look like a few years ago, I think I think Gary has has sort of that vision. That's an interesting perspective. I'm curious what Pia's thought is. I actually uh, I put them on. Uh, it, it's difficult to compare them because uh, Kevin Rose is a product person. He is mm-hmm. so good with product. And I think he will outperform most people in this space as it applies to building product. I don't know what the product is that they're building, but they will build a software product which the quality and deliver the quality of the deliverable is going to be bar none. Gary V, that's not his specialty. And anything mm-hmm. that they build on a on a like don't expect software development, don't expect gaming to genuinely come out of it. He discussed buying a uh, essentially a gaming studio when he'd come on uh, my podcast a year ago. And then he's repeated that refrain to his, uh, to a certain degree of like trying to become the next Disney, but that studio could be an animation studio. It could, uh, I think it, I think him going more down the enter- content and entertainment side of things is way, way, way more likely. And so you have two completely different, uh, two, two completely different, um, communities so i think that question is kind of uh it's tough it's it's a difficult one to answer they each fall into a different subset it's tough but it's very very fun to think about and it makes you start to think what does uh success in business really require because that's really what we're talking about right these are all businesses and there's a few comments that i wanted to reference that i think really help put things in perspective both of the things that you guys said too is great I totally agree with what Nick said about Kevin Rose. Um, I could totally see him building some crazy software product. He's a product person, right? He's Silicon Valley. He knows how to operate, right? Mm. But Elizabeth, our product manager at the Nifty and our community manager said, Kevin Rose is scaling his community now. He'll have to scale again. Gary did the scaling at speed. Gary is going to kick everybody's ass when it comes to community because he understands how to do that. He understands the person to person, like leaving people with a positive impact, really the leadership part of it, which a lot of times the Silicon Valley guys don't actually understand because it's different, right? If you have this giga brain in Silicon Valley and you can make an incredible product, the leadership part isn't as uh, important because you can just replace engineers. Everybody's kind of replaceable. And if people buy into the vision of your product, they can kind of build it up. But when you need people to revere you, that's a totally different scenario. And people that hang on your every word. And from what I've seen of Kevin Rose, I think he's exactly like a Silicon Valley guy, which again, it's not a bad thing, but it's not the same thing as a real community 
um, like driver the way that Gary V is. And one other comment is uh, the JC files said something here. He said, I feel Gary V is for the masses. Kevin Rose is for the elitists and the wealthy. I agree with that. Elitist and, and the wealthy is kind of harsh language for his audience, but I, I do agree with that. Um, however, I think that the masses will win in a game like this but that doesn't mean that Kevin Rose is going to lose. I'm just saying I'd probably give the edge to Gary V on that one. But that I is think a they tough both one to win. Think about. I think they're both killing yeah, it, they, and like course, liter literally, they're both going to succeed. Like that's just flat out. I would. I. I bet. I bought a, a V Friends two the other day. A spectacular uh, live on our show. Was that the, today? Today or yesterday? Yesterday. And uh, and I would. Uh, I'd consider re-entering Moonbirds. I, right now, the price is uh, high. I sold one. I made some money on flipping a Moonbird, but I'm like I'm still. I, I debated it at this point, primarily just because if there is any pullback right now, I like I don't know. I have target prices for all these things where I feel comfortable buying. There's a good chance that I don't get in, but then like okay, great. It went from it. Be, it becomes the next board ape. I, you make three hundred percent. So like that, that's, that's a huge gain. Um, mm -hmm. but theoretically it's, it's not like this is going to be my last opportunity to make money in the, in the NFT space. So you hope, yeah, hope I mean, I, I, I didn't get one. I, I, I tried to get in on the raffle. I lost that, uh, should have, should have done like a hundred entries looking back. I feel like everyone, everyone thought the same thing. Uh, you know, I knew it was going to go up, but I think th there's a chance here that people are like overweighting the the brand value of the of the creator a little bit in this case this early on like I, like i i love promoting top creators and 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 just top team pages just because it's a lot safer like the chances that they they do well is is higher but that doesn't necessarily mean that the upper bound is just like incredibly high just because they they've executed in a completely different space right in in, in the case of of Kevin Rose it was web 2 it was more classic silicon valley are those the rules that are that are sort of that, that we're playing right now. Like, is that the game that, that we're playing? Uh, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I think there's a lot of this that also has to do with the meme itself, not just like execution, executing on product. Uh, so is the meme the same as like a Nozuki or Bordy Biakob? Does it inspire people? Is there a story behind it? Or is it like, like you said, just like, like a small elitist, elitist group. Uh, so I, I do think people sort of overweight it. I, I do think, like I said earlier, it's just a, a lot of outside money sitting on the sidelines, not knowing where to put it, but wanting to get exposure and just being like Kevin Rose, like he's not going to fail me and just like putting their, his, their money behind them. But I don't know if that's really reflecting true value or if these guys know what they're doing at all, right? This outside money, like, like just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you understand what, what's actually happening here. I think that's, that's spot on. I was going to say, so, oh, I wanted to bring up the thing that you're working on and just announced um, at Midnight Labs. I checked it out. Sounds pretty elitist. I want to be part of it. <laughs> okay, that's the that's the first thing. And uh, if you're building a Soho house, yo, count, this is count, it? count your boy it? in. That's uh, it, yeah. yeah, it is. And you can also check out joinmidnightlabs.com. Um, yeah. And so... Yeah, I was reading through it. This sounds definitely different than uh, most projects that I've seen. You said it's going to take years. So you're adding 30 to 50 people per month. Actually, I won't speak for you. You mm -hmm. go ahead. What, what, what's the deal with Midnight Labs? Yeah, I mean, this was sort of my attempt to start from like first principles and be like, okay, how, what's like the right way to build a long-term tokenized community? Right. And, and I've been in a few that I think have, have done something as well. I've been friends with benefits. They do like this, this curated membership. I've been in board of yacht club, you know, I've been in some of these and, but I still feel like there's a lot to improve on. And so, you know, I, I don't think for example, that bringing in thousands of people at the same time is a great way to start a community. Uh, I don't think charging a high entry price is, is, is solid as well. Uh, you know, we're basically ignoring everything we know about organizations in real life. Uh, you know, companies, fraternities, basically, you know, athletic teams, uh, anything that does any kind of recruitment, you know, we're ignoring all that. So my, this was my attempt of sort of forking the best ideas that I found, putting that together. Uh, also did this coupled with me always having been uh, wanting to do a community for the people that have been following me. Uh, I've been meeting all these cool people. I'm like, there, there's gotta be a way to, to channel uh, all this into, into one group. Uh, and so really this is, it's partly an experiment. It's partly a way to get exposure to, to other, other things that we're going to build along the way. Uh, and yeah, I just wanted to see if, if, if really we can build sort of the best group or one of the best groups in the space and do it in a way that is, is free as well. 
Uh, it is, it, it, you, I mean, you could call it a little bit elitist in the sense that there are some filters. Like, it's not completely open. I mean, that, that's kind of what Twitter is, right? It's just like, if you want something completely open and, and unfiltered, go on Twitter. Uh, if you're looking for something a little bit more curated, a little more thoughtful, more dedicated, like Web3 enthusiasts, uh, I'm sort of going down down that road. It sounds uh, cool. It sounds like something that no one else has done, right? Well, are, are you Maybe. in our community? Because you got to join our Discord because we have a very active community. You are, I do agree with you actually fundamentally. Um, mm. That said, like we ended up, and, and frankly, our price is mostly still accessible. I mean, it's 0.25 ETH. So in comparison to like Moonbirds, uh, right. it's, it's, it's way cheaper. Uh, I mean, for the, for the question is for an average person, are they like going to want to spend 750 bucks or whatever it costs to, to just hop in there? Um, but the, uh, the, the, the bottom line is, uh, w w yeah, I, I agree with, with your thesis. We, ours is a different, um, uh, it wasn't as curated and I like that approach, which just means what I really like about it is just the tokenomics of that. If you limit supply, that that's usually a pretty good indicator. And when you have a large audience like yourself, you know, letting 50 people in a month, it, that's, that's gonna, uh, you got, you got a nice, um, Nice funnel. Uh, yeah, a nice funnel where people are really stuck in the queue, essentially. Um, and, and that's a great place to be from a pricing standpoint. I think it's debatable how many people you can scale because the hardest thing is, and what's difficult, and we've seen this, if you look at the chart of our community, it's like a huge spike as we're doing an NFT drop. And that's like, get on the allow list, get on, like, right. like retweet this, hop in the, hop in the Discord. So huge spike followed by a, a pre-drop sort of uh, drop. But now you see this gradual growth where you actually have people who are engaging in the community. And so it's like, uh, I don't want to call it spray and pray mentality because that sounds like uh, rude to the people who are part of the community. But essentially, you end up with the core audience that ends up in there that's really active. And, and that's something that we've, we've experienced. Um, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to get that community active. So I'm wondering, with 30 to 50 uh, members per month, I mean, I just signed up for your Discord right right before we hopped on this show. Are you thinking that basically there will still be that public tier, that public uh, zone, um, and, and and like how like how are you planning on dealing with that? Like, will the, will I be able to still engage with people in that Discord while you create this sort of tokenized version of it? Uh, so we do have like a like a channel that's called Limbo, which is kind of that that general general base. But no, I think I think most of the efforts here will be towards the the token gated section. Uh, you know, I, I provide a lot of free public content uh, already. You know, a lot of a lot of beginner stuff out there. So this is more for for you know the type of person that is a little bit more advanced that is trying to go a little deeper, trying to network and, and meet people. Which I think you know people ask me how how do you do well or, or how can I do well with with NFT or, or really any Web three uh, endeavor. And I'm like just build up your network. That's really the best thing you can do. Make yeah. content, build your network. People are going to bring alpha to you. Like I try to tell project creators this. I met with a project creator the other day that had a drop recently that got like initial hype and isn't doing so well right now. And they're not NFT native, but they have like kind of a cool idea. And I think that it could work for sure. And basically what I said, because they were like talking to us about a potential sponsorship. I was like, I don't really think that you'll get the bang for your buck out of the sponsorship right now. I think mm -hmm. if you just bought the portal, which is like, you know, like Nick said, a quarter ETH, right? Which a 5% royalty on that is a negligible amount of money for us to make. So it's not like I'm pitching this guy so that I can make 40 bucks off of him, right? Like I'm just literally telling him, if you buy the portal and you go into our Discord, you'll experience what a true NFT market participant community is like. You know, the people that you want buying your NFT, these are the people that are in here. So not only can you you know, experience what they're talking about and how they operate and what they're thinking. But you can also ingrain yourself in that community and, you know, eventually win over the respect of the community and have your place in the NFT space. And you kind of see there, there isn't a full understanding, right? And that's not the only conversation that I had that was like that. I've had other conversations where I'm like, you want to just ingrain in a community and I don't think that they realize the impact that something like that actually has. And that's right, you know, what you're talking about with that networking stuff. Yeah. And, and going back to, uh, you know, me sort of calling out 
the way that some groups are structured. I do think there's going to be many types of, of projects that, that can do well here. And I also think with this specific type of project with it, which is sort of like just a focused private community, there's going to be just a ton of them because by nature, if you make them too big, uh, you know, they, they, it just, you lose a, a lot of the curation. Uh, and if you're making them too small and, and, and it's very successful, the prices can go up and, and price out a lot of people. And so I do think, you know, over the next few years, we're going to be seeing a ton of these hubs. I don't think it's a winner take all thing where you know, Amazon just could come in and have like, like their, their tokenized community and everybody flocks to that. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to see what, what, what's going on with this trend. You know, it, it is, does feel kind of like utility season. Uh, there's a lot of innovative projects coming out, you know, Cantino's, uh, pop is, is another, another good example. Obviously proof is, is huge now. So I'm bullish on, on this type of utility because I don't think it goes stale necessarily. Right. Like no matter right. what the NFTs are, we're, we're looking at, you always need to understand how, how, how things are changing and, and, and meet people that are, that are engaging in the space. I think something that stands out about your project as well as the price, which is uh, zero. Mm. So, so that's, <laughs> it's a pretty bold price is the, is the, I'm actually wondering from this, like, okay, let's say you have 50, uh, a, do you, it, does this seem like, uh, more of an experiment? Uh, secondarily is, uh, when you view this as tokenized, is this an NFT, um, that, or is this a, uh, ERC 20 token? Um, because you were talking about friends with benefits. And then the, uh, second part of that is, okay, if you, if you get this token, are you like, are you doing this because you'll get royalties on this? Or this is just more of like a step in the direction of what you're actually going to end up building, basically. I I do plan on building more things. I felt like building the right community was always like step zero to whatever I build next. Uh, and it makes sense to share some of the upside with with the people in that community. Uh, I don't plan on getting super rich off of off of this Discord. Uh you know, I, I like the, the the free drop ethos to it, but of course, at some point you got to make money. Uh, and so, you know, we we, we are going to be discussing playbooks internally. I, I have some in mind and I have a roadmap in mind, but there are different playbooks we're seeing, you know, Proof is doing one uh, and there's a bunch. Uh, you, you, you can obviously start going down the ecosystem route. You can release products that you scale to the market without having it be an NFT. Like maybe there's subscription products of source, maybe alpha, alpha products, whatever it may be, but you do have to start thinking about revenue at some point. Uh, I just didn't want to be have that come from like the entrance fee personally for me, but obviously, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of other approaches. And I also don't think charging a, a small amount is, is a bad thing. As long as you're sort of transparent with how you're using the money. I, we like charging, uh, <laughs> but we're, we're, I'm not sure about the next one, but we did the first one at 0.069 was the uh, cost for everybody. And that was good. It, it was, it enabled us to, you know, um, I wouldn't say bootstrap the company, but pr pretty much, I mean, it, g it gives us a, g a great run uh, runway and it gives us the ability to uh, build and resources for it. Although we could definitely deploy it quicker. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds very cool. And you sound very uh, unsurprisingly sort of methodical in your approach to it um, and in, in approaching it in like a sustainable way. Um, I'm assuming a lot of people are gonna want to uh, join your community uh, but it's going to take a while for people to get in, in there. Right. I, I, like, it's like nouns when you think about it. Like nouns is sort of similar where it's just one per day. Uh, after a year, you know, it's three, 365. So, and, and that, that brand is still, obviously they, they get paid every day. So, you know, the, the revenue model is a little different. But I think in terms of the culture and the community, that, that one's looking pretty good from what I've seen. I, I absolutely love it. Pio, were you going to say something? No, it's just uh, it's great having Giancarlo on, man. Giancarlo, uh, can, can the you know YouTube audience expect you to come once a month or something? Can we work out a deal with that? What do you think? Let's do it, man. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to do more live stuff. I want I want to do more. I'll jump on Twitter Spaces too with you guys every now and then. Oh hell, uh, yeah. that'd be awesome too to just talk about the market. Uh, so yeah, dude, I feel, I I feel like you're you have the biggest audience in the NFT space that where are you going with this that yeah like where walking like back not, <laughs> i was just gonna say like i feel like if you if you come through on the twitter space we just we learned that twitter is the highest impact content and obviously for, for us 
for us. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. But you have a big Twitter audience already. All I'm saying is I'd love to have you on the show. I think it would be fantastic. I think you'd absolutely crush it. I think everyone would like it. People in our Discord, as soon as we went live on this, were like, oh, shit, Giancarlo's on. Love that guy. Oh, that's like mm -hmm. my favorite podcast. Um, So you have a ton of fans in the NFT. Wait, hold on. Yeah. It's their favorite podcast and people in our community? This is fucked <laughs> up, man. They now, said, I don't know if we, they we said shouldn't besides have them on ours, anymore. No, they said kidding. besides ours, but I wanted to make Giancarlo feel good. Wait, you guys you guys are in an awesome spot because you're you're straddling both you know the Twitter and and the YouTube. The Twitter is really good because it's it's where all the you know like the focused enthusiasts are. But YouTube, I think, is super underrated. Uh, from when you when you sort of mention it to people in in crypto Twitter, but it really is like a huge exposure to to the outside world, right? Like people don't realize it's the second biggest large uh, search engine in, in on the internet. You know that that's where people when they when they hear about Board of Yacht Club, they instantly go go to potentially YouTube and sort of start typing things out. So. You guys, you guys are sort of getting the best of both worlds. So I, I like the model. I mean, How we have we have work to do on the YouTube side. I've been trying to train Pio to be more like you, and it's just been really <laughs> difficult to to get that out of him. So we're gonna have to figure something out, and maybe send him to NYU or some sort of uh, business school so he can practice the sort of the analyst <laughs> side of things, um, and he can get on your level. But uh, no, in all, in all honesty, yeah. uh, we're fans of what you're doing, and uh, yeah, definitely come on the space. I know I saw multiple people in the comments uh, apply um, and uh, other people, uh, I also applied as well. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see what you're building and uh, yeah, uh, glad, glad to have, uh, you know, long-term minded people in the community like yourself who are, who are out there building and creating content. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see where everybody is, you know, a year or two from now because there's yeah. the, like, there's a lot more coming. Uh, and and sure. we're we, we are still wildly early. Appreciate it, man. This what do we awesome. got to do to get you a portal, Giancarlo? What do we got to do to get me a portal? I, I honestly, I, I'll I'll take another look at it. I haven't gotten too deep too deep on it, but I'm down, man. Yeah, yeah. Let, uh, I'll pick one up. I want to hear the analyst perspective on it from Giancarlo. No, no, no pressure, no. man. It would be awesome to have you in the uh, in the Discord. Someone just uh, wrote in the Discord, oh, shit, Giancarlo's on. Love that guy, which is exactly what I said. And he said it as a joke. It was pretty funny. It got a good response in the Discord. Everyone follow Giancarlo on Twitter and uh, subscribe to his YouTube, Giancarlo Buys Tokens. The project is Midnight, Midnight Labs. Uh, Nick, what were you going to say? Smash that subscribe, uh, lick hey. the like, and uh, thanks for joining today. Uh, and thanks to Giancarlo. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for guys. watching, everyone. Thanks, Giancarlo.